everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, the founder of the nonprofit, The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are in your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who have been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, wherever you might be when you're listening to this show. I am so excited about today's show. Our guest is a wonderful woman who's gone a mission just like I am. She's kind of on the other side of the cybersecurity world than I, but we're dealing with the same people, us. We're working with moms, grandmas, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, friends, ourselves, when we're dealing with our security, our personal security online and in person. And my guest, Dana Mantilia, is here from Connecticut. Dana's up in the cold country, and I want to welcome her. Good morning, Dana. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's my absolute pleasure. I've uh, Since we met, and I think we were connected through SCARS and Dr. Tim McGinnis and uh, LinkedIn, and I've been watching some of your things that you're putting out there, and I, I love the spin you put on cybersecurity because, as you've mentioned in the past, uh, some of the interviews that I've listened to, it can be a very dry, very boring, very, eh, we don't want to talk about it, but such a necessary industry and um, area that we need to focus on. So thank you for what you're doing, and welcome to Stand Up and Speak Up. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Well, it's fun. And I, I wanna, I'm, we're going to dive into your take on, on some of the things that, that uh, we're working with here at The Woman Behind the Smile and with SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams based in Miami. It's a victim support group. And that side of the story we don't hear much about, and that's why I'm doing the show and I work with SCARS so um, closely. But Dina, I love the, tile, the topic that I put up on the, um, on the show announcement this week, and it's like, do you really know who's calling you? Mm-hmm. And the reason I said that is my mom and dad are 86 and 91, and I spend a lot of time with them. And they went through the, the whole scam with me, so they're very aware of what's happening. But when the phone rings, my mother is just dying to pick it up. She's looking mm-hmm. at the number going, well, that's Fort Myers. That could be so-and-so. Or that's, you know, West Palm Beach, that could be so-and-so. I'm thinking, Mom, it says unavailable, really. You don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. So, Dana, explain to us what you do. We're going to just go into your company for a few minutes. And then I'm okay. going to dive into what you're doing on LinkedIn and whatever. So what, what do you do as a business? So the business 
helps people protect themselves from scammers, <clears throat> cyber criminals, and identity thieves. And we have an identity theft product that monitors credit activity. <clears throat> but we really are just trying to mainly spread the word that, that these scammers are everywhere. And I, I hate the fact that I feel like I'm the Grim Reaper always delivering bad news, <laughs> but I'm just trying to make sure that the awareness gets out there because if all of us shared what we learned about you know these things with five people and then those five people shared it with a couple of people we would we would be spreading the messages a lot faster i really think that a lot of people don't believe that there are even scams out there um so i tried to take a little bit different twist with all of my social media content by posting you know one video very specific topic make sure it's in very layman's terms that everyone can understand and then i try to add a little humor sometimes and sometimes they're serious, sometimes they're goofy. Um, but I think people remember them. And what I hope that they do is they retain the information. So afterwards, if they do run into a situation similar to the video that they saw, they actually stop for a minute and think, hmm, wait a minute. I think we've talked about this before. What is the name of your company? Identity Protection Planning. And your website? Identityprotectionplanning.com. That's easy to remember. And you are a woman in a man's world. How long have you been doing this, and how did you get into it? Well, actually, uh, I was a woman in a man's business uh, my whole life, really, with uh, being in the car business, because that is definitely a male-dominated business. And uh, my family has a Ford dealership for many, many years, and I've overseen that for many, many years. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to start an insurance agency about 2014, so I did that, and then wanted to create an identity protection product, so I did. Um, and then I realized how much education needs to be done about all this because people really do not believe that they're going to be a victim. Um, you and I have spoken about some of the things that, that people, they just don't think, that, that there are scammers out there doing these kind of things, and they certainly are. So I wanted to figure out a way to do this, and you know, I've seen a lot of the boring webinars or boring you know, anything that's just, it's just dry. And I think it's because most of it is put together by IT people when it comes to training against any kind of cybersecurity. So I think you lose the audience. So I figured, okay, I really wanted to do this. However, I was very intimidated to create videos and create content for social media because the IT world is a very male-dominated world. And um, so I was apprehensive. I kind of just watched what was happening on LinkedIn, saw that nobody was doing, you know, what I wanted to do. And then I finally got up the courage and I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start these videos. And if nobody likes them, nobody watches them, you know, no harm, no, no harm, no foul. So I started posting the videos and <laughs> didn't really get a lot of attention at first. But then slowly, you know, I, I did. It developed quite an audience. And I think it's had just the opposite effect. I think that people look at me as just a regular woman that, you know, they feel like they can relate to. And um, I'm not some intimidating man in a suit talking this technical jargon that nobody really understands. So I think it's um, it's been very good. A lot of people started private messaging me. I've been in the situation or this has happened to a family member. And I feel like Dear Abby sometimes with uh, mm -hmm. with some of the stuff. But um I'm glad that they feel comfortable enough to reach out to me and you know, share their stories with me. So well, it's kind of evolved. That's perfect. And, and I work with a lot of women entrepreneurs who are getting into social media and doing video. And it's really funny. I remember the first video I did, it probably took three hours to do a 30-second video. So mm -hmm. when you did yours, did you have any trepidation in, in jumping in? And how, did you do it on your own? Or did, you, did you have a team? How did you, how did you put your video together? I, I literally did, I did everything by myself. And it was funny because I realized I needed to get an editor. 
And this is what I had to admit to the to this editor. I found this young lady on uh, on LinkedIn, and I had to say to her, "I have the video on my phone, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to get it to you because it was just <laughs> too big to text or to send in an email." So she she said, "Okay, no problem. We'll figure it out." So we did figure it out. We upload them to Google Drive, and then she takes them and edits them and sends them back. But that's where I started. That's how low down the technical totem pole I was. Um, so I would shoot the videos, and then this is another thing I said to myself, and I think this helps people that are starting to do videos, is if you put the, if you record the video and it comes out terrible, you don't have to show it to anybody. <laughs> so that kind of helps get your confidence up when you're first starting to do videos. So, And when you have to get a little more professional, you get someone else. Like the other day I was talking with, I'm working with a group for my company, and I said, you know what, when I'm trying to do this video myself, I don't know where to look at the camera or on my Mm -hmm. screen because if I'm looking at the screen, then I'm looking down, and they laugh. They said, we're going to come on Zoom. You're just going to talk. You're going to put this, whatever you need to do up there, and we're going to film you from back here, wherever they are. They're in, like, California or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to edit it. I'm like, that works. <laughs> so Good. And then, yeah. then I'll go and I'll edit out all the ums and the ahs. And they're like, Deb, people talk that way. You don't have to mm-hmm. do it all all the time. And I laughed. I said, be- I do that because I know my dad's sitting there counting the number of ums <laughs> that we said. <laughs> and then it becomes distracting. But it makes you yeah. take a pause. So I, I, I'm glad you got into the business. It is kind of interesting, though. The cybersecurity world that we live in, for the most part, is very boring and mm-hmm. very technical. And I love it when you say, we talk about passwords, and I know people are just rolling their eyes. This is mm-hmm. a big passion of yours. Why are passwords such a buzzword for you? I know I'm always on my soapbox when it comes to passwords. Well. This is this is why, because, you know, these data breaches that every time there's a big, huge data breach, we should all be freaking out. Oh, my goodness, another data breach. And we don't because we're just numb to them now because they happen so often. So the problem with the password is that a lot of people use the same email address and same password for all of their online accounts. So, for example, Grubhub, it's a little food delivery service. They had a data breach. They got the username and the password. So people think, well, what's the big deal? It's just my email. But it is a big deal because that same exact information or that key is a key to get into one of your other accounts, your social media accounts, you know, your banking accounts, your credit card accounts. And that's where the problem is. So people pick a password that they can remember, obviously, and then they use it for everything. And then it's just allowing access for, for – and we don't even hear about – we don't know every data breach that happens. So we don't know if one of our accounts we've ever had is involved in the data breach. So that's why I'm always talking about having different passwords – for each account. So what is the number one used password that you shouldn't use? Um, maybe password or <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, or the name of your dog, you know, or your firstborn well, child. That's interesting. The name of the dog or your child, how, uh, how are scammers getting a hold of that information? Well, if they go on social media, this is a, this is a good topic to go uh, transfer over to. They go onto social media and they look at what people are posting, and they find out that you have a dog named, you know, Joe, and you have a brother named Pete. And the other thing that's happening are a lot of these Facebook quizzes. People love to do Facebook quizzes. Ooh, take this quiz and we'll tell you if you were an action figure, what kind of an action figure you'd be, or if you were a dog, what breed of dog you'd be. And people think they're fun, and they are fun. But a lot of the questions are very similar to some of the security questions that you have to log in for your banking account. And they also give away a lot of personal information. And that's exactly what they're, all these scammers are looking for. The more information they can put, it's like a big puzzle. Make another piece and another piece. 
Um, so that's another reason why we should stop taking the Facebook quizzes. And we, we all like to do it. I have stopped mm-hmm. a while ago because I'd heard this, this thing about, you know, they're getting your information. And it seems very simple, very innocent. It's fun. Mm-hmm. You're connecting with your friends. You're seeing what you have in, you know, in common with them. But there is a boatload of information that's being put out there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, again, we're not talking about it. We're, what we're talking about is like, oh, this is fun. Let's do this. We're not talking about, mm-hmm. oh, guess what you just gave away. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. And just to segue that into um, our, the younger generation that is growing up in this, um, mm-hmm. you have a lot to say about what kids are doing, what they're sharing on the Internet. Can we just kind of go there a little bit? How do you mm-hmm. feel about kids getting phones at five years old and the information that's getting put out is, you know, when you're 13? Yeah, the phones, the kids. Well, the number one problem is that we didn't grow up with these phones and, and this communication 24-7. So as far as relating to it, we just we just can't. It's almost like a foreign language. And these kids, as soon as you give a kid a phone, you have to understand you're giving them keys and access to anything that they want to look up or look for. And that's, that's scary in and of itself. Um, you're not there to monitor everything that they're looking for. You're not there to monitor who they're connecting with and communicating with. And a lot of parents will say, oh, my daughter would never do something like that. Or, you know, my son only communicates with his, his close, you know, classmates or something like that. And they don't realize that, you know, these guys try to, these scammers try to fool kids too. So they will pose as a, you know, 12 year old gamer that's playing the same game that your son's playing. And, you know, they, they, they make up a profile that looks as if they're a child and then somebody lets them into the community and then it's, oh, well, he's friends with so-and-so, so he must be a good guy. And then that's exactly how they get in there. And the, the, the child trafficking and, and all that stuff that's associated with harming children has been exponentially personified because of the way that they can communicate with these children and track these children. So, for example, I've done a video on this, Snapchat Maps. So on Snapchat, you can have your contacts, literally, it's like a little map that pops up. Everybody has a little figure that looks like them, and you can see exactly, pinpoint location where they are. If they were in a football stadium, you could see exactly what row they were sitting in. That's That's how specific it is. So you get somebody in there in the, in the little network that, you know, fools somebody into thinking that they're just a good old kid and they can watch and know exactly where that child is and where, where the child is relative to any of the other um, people in that little network if they have similar connections. So that's scary. Are, are there settings on your social media that, that give the locations like that and how do you turn them off? Yes, yes, there are. So, for example, on Snapchat, if you're in ghost mode, then you cannot, your location is not uh, being, being given out. Um, however, a lot of parents don't know about these things, so they don't even know that Snapchat has Snapchat maps or, you know, that whatever other um, apps they have on their phone that the kids are actually, you know, following each other around. And there's a lot of apps, speaking of the phone, there's a lot of uh, apps on there that we as adults really need to go through and check and see which apps have access to your microphone or your photos, your contacts, and um, your camera. And do, do you really need these apps? Because if it's an app you're not even really using, you need to take it off of your phone. Um, this privacy is just going out the window faster and faster every day. So, but anyway, back to the children. Yes, I think that we need to monitor what, when you decide you're going to give a child a phone and know what you're doing when you do give them. Have conversations and talk to your children consistently about what they're doing on the phone 
And um, if anyone is bothering them, the cyberbullying, especially during, you know, COVID with the, with the quarantine, is gone through the roof. And mm-hmm. uh, if you talk to your children about bullying before it happens to them and you tell them every single person has been bullied in their life, everyone, maybe they were young, maybe they were older, and it is the worst feeling in the entire world. You're going to get a hot flash throughout your whole body. You're going to feel terrible, mortified. And if you say that to them and they can picture what those emotions feel like, and then down the road, somebody, you know, says something not so nice, they'll at least be anticipating and know that, oh, this does happen to everybody. My mom told me, and I really should make sure that uh, I go talk to somebody. They need, they need to feel comfortable. Maybe not you, maybe an older brother or a sister or somebody, but um, that, that way they know they've anticipated that something's going to happen, and then they know that they can go talk to somebody. And I heard you talk one time about, you know, the kids don't really think about the repercussions of putting stuff out there. You'd mentioned something about a family going on a trip, and they were excited about going to France. (laughs) Yes, and one of the daughters thought this was a great idea to lay out all the passports on the bed and take a picture of everybody in the family's passport and post it on social media. That's exactly right. They They don't think about anything that they're posting. Not well, the gong show on that one, uh, I, was, I was looking at a video yesterday. It was a YouTube video of a gentleman actually reached out to me. He was a victim, and I wasn't sure if he was a victim or if he was a scammer. And so I had my team look up his YouTube, and it was a catfish thing, but it, he was actually real. He was from Delhi. And he would put up this picture of a passport of this young woman, and I posted it on my Facebook yesterday to ask everybody, how do you know if this is real or not? And there were a couple of folks that were dead on but they had been looking at it. Most people didn't, you know, respond to it. But we don't do that. Don't take pictures of your of your passport. Mm-mm. Now, I've gotten phone calls from friends that said, hey, my next-door neighbor asked, called me and said, can I come over and show them how to take a picture of their credit card so they can send it to a friend? Okay. <laughs> so, Dana, what would you tell someone there? Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And, you know, I, I said this is another thing with charity scams, too. The people that call up, they make the phone number look like they're calling from the charity. They spoof the phone number. And then they try to get people to give them banking information or, like you said, credit card information. And I always tell people, because people get caught off guard, too, with these phone calls. And they sometimes put a little bit of pressure saying, well, you know, if you do it today, we're going to double the amount. We have somebody else that's going to match whatever you're donating. So we have to get it in by the end of the night. And they do that, obviously, to, to try to rush you along here. But I just tell people, you say, thank you very much. I will think about this. I will look into this. And if I decide that I would like to donate to this charity, I will take care of it. And I will um, either mail in a check or go to that charity's website. And a good website to check to see if charities are real or not is charitynavigator.org. It will tell you if the, the charity is legitimate and the contact information for that charity. And will also tell you what percentage of the money that you're donating is actually going to the cause. That's always a big question. You know, a lot of these charities, some of them give a lot of that money to, to the actual cause and some of them a lot of admin fees and all that kind of stuff. So you donate $100 and a dollar winds up getting to the actual cause. That's perfect. So charitynavigator.org. I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. I will definitely yeah. check that out. Uh, because, you know, because we're not seeing people in person anymore. We're not, you know, giving to charities in person. They are, mm-hmm. they are calling or, or they're doing it online. And uh, so that's really imp- important, especially for our crowd, because I remember my, um, my husband's dad would send, after he passed away, we saw all these checks written to all these organizations. We're like, what was he thinking? Mm-hmm. But he was taken. He was a very giving older man and he just wanted to save the children 
He wanted to take mm-hmm. care of everybody, uh, which is what many of us do. Many of us want to, you know, are very giving people and very mm-hmm. trusting. So when someone makes that phone call, and we tell our moms, don't answer it, and they do, how do you tell them to slow down? You know, find out who that person really is if they can. Well, you know, and the the older people like to answer the phone. They like to talk on the phone, and sometimes they're a little lonely, so this is, you know, they're only out to have some communication for the day. But um, I I always tell people, you know, even if you have to make a little piece of paper that you type next to the cabinet and you say, don't give any information over the phone or don't, you know, give any, um, any money or anything, commit to anything over the phone to a stranger, just as a reminder, um, but I, they, they don't like to be rude either. So then I, I suggest that the seniors say, you know, like I had just mentioned, thank you very mm-hmm. much. I, I appreciate the information. I'll look into this and then, you know, decide whether or not I'm, gonna, I'm going to donate. And maybe they will. Maybe they will. Maybe it is a legitimate call and they can verify that and then give some money to it. The hard thing, though, is when the pressure starts getting put on. Mm-hmm. And, and these guys, they, they are very pressure oriented. It's like urgency, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. is, is that one of the telltale signs of that if they're pushing you into something pretty quick? Yes, definitely. Anytime, I would say there's two, two signs for a scam that you can quickly identify. If someone's playing off of your emotion or someone is playing off of urgency, you, you have to just at least take a pause and say, wait a minute. Because if we really ask ourselves, how much in our day-to-day lives do we have to do right now? Right now, you have to get it done right now. No forewarning just has to happen right now. There's not a lot of stuff, really, when you think about that. I mean, if you look at your day-to-day, you know, you get up, you do the same thing. You, if you, you know something's coming up, you can plan for it. You know, unless it's an accident or something like that, that would be something that would happen quickly, uh, which ties into, you know, the grandparent scam where they're playing off of the emotions of someone, a grandparent, and they call and they say that they're the grandchild and that they are locked away in a Mexican prison on spring break and they need you to send money right now. And so the poor grandparent is thinking, oh, no, Johnny's in Mexican prison. I need to help out. I need to help out. So it's, it's both the emotion, emotion and the urgency. And then they either go wiring money, and uh, this happens a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, this scam. And the problem is is that a lot of the seniors don't want to admit that they fell for it because then they feel that their adult children may not trust them with their finances, so they just kind of, you know, sweep it under the rug. Actually, I've found that with most scams, and particularly mm-hmm. with the romance scam and the grandparent scam, is you don't, want to, you don't want to divulge that. You don't want to come out with that and tell people uh, because of the victim blame. Mm-hmm. And, and I just kind of want to segue into that. I was watching an interview that you had with a, a younger uh, woman, and she started, well, you, start, you were talking about some terrific things, but you, you got into catfishing a little bit, and she started to laugh. And when I, as a victim of that myself, I'm thinking, if I were watching that show and didn't know anything about what was going on, I would never talk about what happened because of that reaction. Mm-hmm. And we need to have just the opposite. Um, and that's why I really love what you're doing and that we got you involved with SCARS too because as soon as someone starts putting blame on the victim for doing something that they honestly didn't know was a scam, mm-hmm. uh, then they're just going to they're gonna shut down. And I've been there. I know that. Uh, the women we work with do not want to tell. And the first step in recovery is... is being honest about it and telling somebody. Um, mm-hmm. So in, in your world, I mean, this happens in business. Have you ever had it happen in your business? Anybody 
been taken in, in your company or maybe attempt to be taken? Well, we did have one situation here where one of the um, one of my assistants, she came in and she had her coat on. And I said, I did a video on this too. I said, why do you have your coat on? And she said, oh, I'm going to get that stuff you needed. And I said, what stuff are you talking about? She said, the stuff we were just communicating about. And I had no idea what she was talking about. So she went and she showed me that it started out on email. It looked like it was from me to her saying, hey, I have a meeting. I have a presentation later on. I want to have some gift cards to give away. Can you do me a favor? Quickly run out and grab some. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's move this conversation to texting so you can get going. So she gave her cell phone number and then they were texting back and forth. And she said, well, how am I going to pay for this? Cause they were rather expensive, the ones that they wanted. And me quote unquote said, Oh, well, you know what? Just call me from the store, read me off the numbers. And then when you get back, I'll reimburse you. So, I mean, this is, we talk about this stuff all the time. And I, I said, how, how did we almost fall for this? But it's the same thing here. She thinks it's her boss calling, needs something right away, wants to help out, wants to follow direction, and, you know, was all set to go get those things. So thank goodness you interrupted where she was going. Right, yeah. Because if it, I had been on the phone and she just, right, yeah, and she just left. Mm-hmm. Well, so that, it's interesting, though, that the email that she got was so convincing. Mm-hmm. How's that happening these days? Well, you know what they do? They make the email address look very, very similar and, you know, a lower ca- an uppercase I versus looks like a lowercase L. So you could make things look like they're from somebody else um, or maybe there's just one little extra letter in there or number in there that at quick glance, you know, oh, this is from Dana. So I need to follow what it is. I don't know how, well, how she dealt with that, but it does happen. It happens because we're so busy. We're so busy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we want to, we want to please, we want to get things done. We're multitasking. Oh, I'm on the way out. I might as well do this and, you know, for dinner needs this. I see how how it can happen, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's a matter of pausing and just slowing it down. Like you said, things are urgent, but not that urgent. Right. Um, And email is, is one of the biggest, is the biggest, probably about 85% of all of these uh, ransomware attacks or malware, you know, things that are happening at businesses because an employee is clicking on something they shouldn't be clicking on. If we got rid of email, like just eliminated it, we would have so many fewer problems, but obviously we need to communicate with that. <laughs> but it's a lot easier for someone to trick an employee than it is to hack into their computer system. So that's that's true. Remember. That's mm-hmm. true. So can you explain, explain the whole phishing thing? Because we have some people that might be new to, to email, and our audience too. We're, we're not talking to 20-year-olds here. We're talking to 50, 60, 70, 80-year-olds. When you're getting an email that looks like it's Bank of America, mm-hmm. what would you do? Well, if we rewind a little bit, even just a few years ago, some of these emails were, were rather easy to detect. They would talk about the Nigerian prince that wants to give you you know, $10,000, and you just have to send him back $8,000. And uh, a lot of misspellings, looks, it looks very suspicious. Mm-hmm. However, nowadays, these phishing emails, they look like they're from FedEx. They look like they're from Amazon uh, telling you need to update something with your, with your account. And because they look so legitimate, and like you mentioned, we're going through things so quickly, people click on them. And they not only just click on them and sometimes download malware onto their computer, they also click on them and it'll say, please update your payment information. So now they're giving out credit card information on the phone. So the phishing emails, that's you know, sent out to a lot of different people and then whoever clicks, that's their victim. Where spear phishing is more directly engineered, like what happened with, with um, my employee. That was someone pretending to be social engineering to be me 
and then making it look like it was it was me who was asking you, a very specific person, to go, you know, perform a task. Wow, can you imagine the ramifications of that if that had actually happened? Well, and one story that's even worse, so Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, I don't know if you know who she is, but the TV show. Okay, mm-hmm. so she was, um, her office manager received an email. They were doing business with this company in Germany building these hotels, and the office manager received an invoice for furniture for $400,000, so she paid it and then called uh, Barbara's assistant just to fill her in to let her know, hey, I, want, I took care of that, and the assistant said, what are you talking about? So it turned out that they, they looked into it, and it was the same thing. It was the email address was off by one letter, and it was an IP, a Chinese IP address. So that money was gone. Can't get it back, huh? Mm. No. And, and, and that's the thing. I heard of that in our world. I call that business email compromise, the so BEC scams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are very good at it. But I never heard the word spear phishing until I heard you talking about that. And can you, can you just kind of explain what is malware? So malware is something that's going to be on your a virus that you're going to click on, and then it's going to download something onto your computer. And again, I'm not the technical person to see where all yeah. this is going to go and how you fix it, all that kind of stuff. But you know that's why it's important to have uh, antivirus on your on your computer. Um, but at work, you know, like it could it could lock up your computer, and that's where ransomware ransomware attacks on. So what that is is somebody downloads something onto their computer, locks it up, and then you get a message that says, you know your device has been locked up and you need to send me money and I'll unlock it. And usually it's in Bitcoin or something like that. And uh, if some people and some companies and even some towns across the country have wound up paying the ransom because it's less expensive, even if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, than keeping the system locked up. I mean, you take a town, a municipality, and they, they get one of these ransomware attacks and maybe the 911 system isn't working or the traffic lights aren't working or the hospital can't get into their, their records there's devastating effects every minute that they don't have access to these um, these systems. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a big, big deal. Yeah, I've heard that happen. And, and especially, you know, it's like paying, paying ransom for a kidnapping. They always say, don't do it, don't do it. But I've had friends who, their companies, they paid. And mm-hmm. the scammers figure, well, it's a matter of numbers. You know, mm-hmm. let's see how many we can catch. Um, and it's just, it's devastating. So just be careful. And one thing that you did... Uh, that I heard you mention too is that if you get one of those emails, say you get one from Netflix, I've had this happen, and it says your account has been suspended or something and it's got a link there, what's the better way to figure out if that really happened to you? Well, the best thing to always say is when you get any kind of an email that has a link is to say to yourself, is there any other way that I can get this information besides clicking on this link? So what they should do for in that situation is go to Netflix and log into your account that way and see if there's any kind of a message as opposed to clicking on that email. Same thing with Amazon and you know, a lot of people are doing a lot of online shopping. So whether it be FedEx or Amazon or something along that in, in with a message regarding your delivery, because a lot of people have a lot of deliveries going on out there. So sending somebody um, an email about a, a possible package that's being delivered is, you know, not too crazy. So um, don't go, don't click, go to Amazon or go to FedEx and log into the account that way. That's really interesting that we just have to get it in our minds to slow down and Mm -hmm. we're taking the easy way out. That link is there and it's easy and click. Mm -hmm. You know, now I don't have to remember my password on the Netflix unless I have it on my computer. Um, But that's really, you know, stop and think before you connect with them. That's really good. 
I'm, I'm thinking about my telephone. I saw you do a video and you called it Pink Hippopotamus. <laughs> 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 Made me laugh. Everybody go to mm-hmm. YouTube and look at Dana's. I mean, are they on a website, Dana, or are they all on LinkedIn? Uh, they're on LinkedIn, and now they are on, on YouTube. I've finally started getting my act together with uh, my YouTube channel. There you go. Everybody go to YouTube and just YouTube Dana Mantilia, M-A-N-T-I-L-I-A. Some of her, not some, all of the videos are terrific. But Dean, how did you come up with Pink Hippopotamus? And explain to our, my audience what that is. Well, you know, my husband and I would always joke that as soon as we would be talking about something, literally the next day or something, an ad would pop up for it. And so when we would go for um, hikes in the woods and we would leave our phones in the cars and we'd say, see, anything we talk about now, we're not gonna, no one's going to find <laughs> out about, you know, because there's nobody listening. So the, the, the Pink Hippopotamus one, a perfect example of this was the, the pink hippopotamus is the idea of saying, hey, I'm looking for a pink hippopotamus. Does anybody know where I could find one, maybe on sale or something? And that the phone is listening, so then you're going to get an ad for a pink hippopotamus or something like that. But so to show the, the real-world application of how this happened, uh, friends of mine were talking about getting a pond pool. Now, a pond pool is basically a pool that looks like a pond, I guess. They put plants in it or something like that. I'm not sure. Not something I would be interested in, but they were interested in it. So they were over one night talking to us about the pond pool. And the next morning, right in my, in my news feed, there they are, all these advertisements for the alternative to the swimming pool, the pond pool. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, that talks about some of the phone settings that they are listening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so walk yep. us through that. Where do we go on our phone to figure that out? So if you go into your phone, obviously different phones are, are different, but if you go into your security settings, go into settings, and then there's going to be a security button, and then you can look around and it's, and it's going to say, you know, this device. And then you can click on what does this device have access to? Does this device track your location? You know, listen to your um, microphone. You have access to, you know, everything and anything. Probably it does. So some of the things you can turn off. You can turn off the location tracking. You can turn off, you know, the access to emails or things like that. Some of the stuff you can't turn off. Then mm-hmm. there's another one that's going to say apps. And then if you click on the apps, all the apps you have on your phone are going to pop up. And you can go through, and it'll show you which apps have access to my microphone, which apps have access to my location. And then you can go through and either delete them, which I try to tell people, keep as few apps on your phone as possible. If you don't need it, or maybe you used it a while ago and you don't need it anymore, just get rid of it. Take it off of the phone. No need for that. You know, I'm looking at mine, and and I just pulled it up, and, and you mentioned location. I don't think about it. Uh, but mine, there are some options here. It says that never while using or on. And while using, I guess, when it's when, while using the app. Well, mm-hmm. I, I don't use Lyft very often. I guess I really could put never. Um, all the, if, it's, if it's while using the app, and maybe this is something Tim knows too, uh, it's only tracking if the app is up, but if you never close the app out, then it's tracking all the time, I would imagine. Right. Talk- yeah, they're running in the background. Mm-hmm. Well, dang, that must hit your battery, too. So yes. that's interesting. And that I've, I've done that before, too, when I've been you know, Googling something. Then it'll show up on my Yahoo as an ad. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Something maybe I, I was looking at a blouse or something, which I rarely would buy, but it would keep popping up like, time for you to buy that thing. Yep. Like, well, shoot. So I, just, I, I love the way you did the video, though. One other, one other thing, um, a lot of our, our um, viewers or our listeners uh, have animals. What's the scam that's hitting animals now? 
So there is a microchip scam that uh, if you have a microchip in your pet, there's, and a lot of people have argued with me about this one. They say, you know, there's no personal information on the microchip. But what happens is the, the registry, there's a bunch of different registries because there's different microchip companies. So if someone's able to get access into that registry, again, maybe they find out that, you know, Dana owns a dog and this is his name and this is her email address, then they can send an email saying, hey, you know, guess what? You have to pay for a local um, town ordinance for your dog or, you know, there's a new new fee, something along those lines, and then they can get you to enter in your um, email information. Or some of them do actually have some personal information or they, they scan them. So they scan the pet. And then they get in and they can see who, whose dog it is, and then they can see the contact information. If they so they're the physically, physically seeing the dog, maybe like at a dog park or something, where would they, where would they have that access? That would be one way, but the other way is just if they were able to get into the registry, break in, have a data, oh. a data breach, another data breach, so they get into the, the um, registry information. Gotcha. And I'm then they think. know that you have this dog, and you know, they, so they send in, in, an email out to all these people about something with their pet and some, some new fee or fine or something that you have to, to you know, um, pay. And maybe it's even just $5. But the thing is, when you're logging into this quote-unquote place to pay this pet fee, now they're getting your credit card information. So you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I'll do this real quick. It's 5 bucks. Who cares? But then you're entering your, your credit card information. There you go. Interesting. So I, we're going to bring in Dr. Tim in just a minute, but there's one last topic I want to talk about because I've never heard of this before. It's called synthetic identity. And you're pretty mm-hmm. hot on this one right now. Please explain to my audience who I'm sure have never heard of this. What is synthetic identity and what do we do? Okay. So synthetic identity is when you take a actual true social security number and you put it together with a fake name and a fake date of birth. And how this is done is unfortunately very easy. So let's say, for example, you take a child's real social security number and you put it together with a fake name and a fake date of birth and you apply for a credit card. So it goes off to the credit card company, goes off to a credit bureau. They look around. They say, we don't have any record of this name with the social security number. So it goes back and it gets declined. So then the identity thief does the same thing with the same information, um, maybe two months later, three months later. And it goes off to the credit card company, goes to the credit bureau. Same thing. A credit bureau is going to look around and say, we don't see anything uh, with this name or um, you know, social security number being associated together. But we do see that there was a credit file started back, which is the first time that they tried to apply. So the credit card company says, well, you're kind of risky, but we'll give you, you know, $500 maximum, monthly maximum. And then they activate that credit card. And then now that, that social security number is now associated with that fake name and that fake date of birth. And this person is off to the races with a whole new person, synthetic identity that they can use. And they can build upon that credit for years and years and years. And then they can just dump it one day. And unfortunately, you don't find that most people don't find out about this until the child turns 18 and maybe is trying to get a credit card themselves or apply for a college loan. And that's when the mess gets uncovered. How are they getting the Social Security numbers in the first place? Data breaches. Ah. That's one way, or even just, you know, get school systems, you know, the school systems around, I hate to say this out loud, but, you know, they don't really have the highest tech uh, computer systems. Mm. And, you know, it's not too long ago that when people were signing up to go to camps or doctor's offices, you know, everybody was giving out their social security number, you know, to everybody and anybody. And um, the information, unfortunately, it is out there. And, you know, the, the reason why it's such a good scam, so to say, is because most people 
know that nothing legally should be going on with their child's social security number until they are 18. So no one's checking anything. There's nothing so where, going on. Where do we check that? Well, you can go to one of the um, credit reporting agencies. Actually, now you can go to um, annualcreditreport.org. I think it's the, no, dot .com. And you can run you, yourself, or you, you or your that social security number and put it in and run the social security number and see if there's any credit activity that's going to show up on there because mm. nothing should be showing up. But that's, I just want to touch base on that real quick. So, so you used to be able to do this for free once a year. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, once a year per bureau. And there's three major bureaus. So you could kind of spread it out throughout the year that you could run a credit report for yourself and, um, you know, every, every few months and kind of just keep an eye on what's happening. They changed it. I believe it was right when COVID started. So you can go on there now and you can run your credit report with each of the credit bureaus one time per month for free. Oh, wow. And I believe that's until April 22. Okay. So that's, that's a good that, one. That's a good so, thing for, yeah, yeah. So annualcreditreport.com, and we'll check that. I'll put that out in, in, the, in the video, too, at the end. Um, that's really good information, Dana. I mean, I'm sitting here. I've got grandkids, I'm, you know, who've got – because we, we give Social Security numbers out here in the States to kids at birth. So yeah, in Canada, they don't give them to them until they start working. And they're in high school, like, I think, 16. Well, that's the gal. I think you were talking to, to the gal in the UK. I think they do the same thing when they when they start oh, working older. Yeah. So we, there are there are a lot of years that our our uh, kids' social security numbers could be stolen, and um, mm-hmm. and just be careful too. I mean, after my husband passed away, I went to file our joint taxes that next year, and his social security number had been compromised. Uh, someone had actually done a tax return under his social and had a check mm-hmm. sent to them in Fort Lauderdale. So I wasn't able mm-hmm. to file online. So just, everybody just really be careful and, and pay attention. Um, here it's it's a matter of, you know, do that credit report and, and check into it. So this is a real good segue into bringing in Dr. Tim McGinnis. Tim is the founder of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. Tim McGinnis, are you there? I am here. Welcome, welcome. I know you've met Dana. We've actually had conversations together. Uh, Tim, yeah. any of these topics just kind of catch your fancy or would you okay. join so, in? A uh, couple, couple of things just for clarification point of view. So Charity Navigator is not the way to verify if a nonprofit organization is real. And the reason is they only list the 501c3. There are 28 different kinds of a nonprofit listed in the tax code. Also, it turns out that a majority of nonprofits are not tax deductible. They're simply local uh, local nonprofits that are funded by direct contributions. The only way to tell if an organization is, is real is by going to the state corporation search, in other words, their Secretary of State, and verifying if they are in fact registered as a nonprofit, and if the corporation is currently active, because nonprofits are required by law to file their, their annual reports, etc., listing by name who the, who the officers are, etc., about the organization. So the IRS only plays in the tax-deductible spaces. Lots and lots of people that are involved in local advocacy, human trafficking, etc., are not 501c3. Um, also, a nonprofit can be very real, but have not been approved by the IRS yet, so they're also not listed 
Charity Navigator and the equivalents only list the 501c3s that have been approved by the IRS. It isn't a, a, it isn't a method of validating if it's a real nonprofit, and in fact can exclude some very worthwhile local charities that do great work in local communities. Anyway, having said so that. So on that, on that, then we would go in Florida, then go to sunbiz.org, something like that? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Look, on any charity, they should actually list for transparency their incorporation numbers so that you can go to sunbiz or their state secretary of state and verify that they are incorporated as a nonprofit or a not-for-profit. Uh, some states list it differently. Any charity that shows on the corporation registers as a for-profit, run away from. In fact, uh, you might even notify then the state um, state attorney's office um, that they're claiming to be a nonprofit when they're not registered as one. That's an mm. important point. Okay. Uh, also, annual credit report. Uh, Dana, you had said .org to begin with and then changed it to .com. Make sure it's .com because .org is a spoofed website. This goes back to a point that I, that I tell everybody, but it is so important when you are going to visit a website that you know, like Netflix, for example, you're better off just typing Netflix in the address bar and pressing enter without the .com, and either your browser will have remembered the correct address for you, or it will take you to Google where you will only see the official website address. Because there's a thing called a, a typo domain where, where bad guys deliberately create domain names that are like one character off because they know how people make errors when they type. And it can be an absolute duplicate of the real website. And when you try and log in there, boom, they've got your credentials. So, or they may ask you to update your payment information. Same thing. So domain names are just as easily spoofed as email addresses, as phone numbers. In today's world, the best thing for you to do is either save your, your domain URLs in your favorites or just type in the first part of the name and let Google take you to the real one. Also in the world of, of phone numbers, literally you can trust no caller ID at all anymore. Because you may even get a call that says it's from you, but as the old horror movie used to say, it's not a problem if you call yourself. It's a problem when you answer yourself. <laughs> but uh, make sure that you don't believe caller IDs unless you also look at the phone number. And even then, the phone numbers can be spoofed too. So make sure that it's someone that you do know, that you're expecting a call from. But otherwise, let it go to voicemail. It's also really important with your call provider or your, your phone provider when you get a call and you've answered it, a couple of things in that regard. One, if you get a call and they say nothing and then they just hang up, never call them back because it will be routed through an exchange that will result in a significant international phone charge, even though it looks like a U.S. number because it's spoofed. So if you get a spam call or a weird call, don't call them back ever. Because if you call them back, either they can charge you or they confirm that your phone number is good. Wow, so many things to cover.
You know, Dana, you're absolutely right. And I, I applaud you tremendously for the work that you do. Your videos are great. They're funny. Um, you could do a stand-up routine on Saturday Night Live easily. <laughs> and Thanks. the truth is, you know, like scars, unfortunately, there's a lot of amateur incorrect information that's out there. So professionals like, like us have to do everything that we can do to spread the message and to spread the word and develop our own volunteer or, or evangelist cores to get this message out because the reality is most people are not listening until it's too late. Then they listen a lot. But unfortunately, sometimes it's far too much of a problem. Um, Dana, one of the things I would love to see you do, which is a very painful subject, is I'd like to see you do a video about teen sextortion. Just an oh, FYI. Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she does, and, and I've heard her talk a little bit about it. it it's, it's really dangerous. That's this, the second largest group of, of victims are the, the young girls. You know, the, mm-hmm. I think the first are the older, the older men and women, but the young girls. Uh, we could, that's a whole other discussion, Tim, but mm-hmm. we would love for you to do something on that, Dana. But thank you very much, Tim. Before we wrap up this show, though, I want you to, to tell folks, Dana, about The Social Dilemma, the movie on Netflix, and why oh, you goodness. think everybody needs to be watching that show. Yeah, everybody needs to watch that show, and maybe have your children watch it as well. So what the basis of the movie is, is it talks about the addiction factor with the creation of these social media platforms and that the whole intention of of what the platform was trying to do, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, what what they're trying to do is keep you on that app. So if you notice on Facebook, if you go off of Facebook for a couple of days, you'll get an email saying, oh, so-and-so just posted this because they're trying to bring that curiosity in you to say, oh, I better go check and see what is what is it? I'm missing out on something. And um, they, they go into the cyberbullying. There is a website, uh, DIF.org, I think it is. I'm not really sure. But Digital Digital Future Initiative, if you just Google that, it will come up. And uh, it's a great, great website. And it's a great site for parents and teachers and gives you all kinds of fantastic information um, to share with kids. And there's actually a presentation that you can go in and you can get certified, which I did. And then they give you this amazing presentation to walk through and to show um, adults and it talks all about exactly, you know, how it's actually crazy what they created. And um, it's almost like trying to put the genie back in the bottle now with uh, how to clean it up. But that's why we have to all try to help share awareness with, you know, these kids. The addiction, it's a real addiction these kids are having with um, devices. And the problem with addiction is that once it's created, then it, it has to be transferred to something else. So we want to make sure that we are getting ahead of this. And this ties back into what we're talking about, giving the kids a phone when they're you know, five years old. So uh, Social Dilemma, great, great movie on Netflix to check out. Okay, that website is actually dfinow.org, Digital Citizenship for Kids Today, uh, which is important because I look at my grandkids and they're ages three to seven. And, you know, you had a discussion with someone about emojis. My little granddaughter just thinks emojis are are it. And she'll sit there Mm -hmm. and she'll send me a text with like 30 emojis. Uh, mm-hmm. they, but they mean something. I don't. I mean, I use the hug one and the kiss one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's meaning to that stuff, which the next generation knows, but grandparents don't. So heaven, you know, heaven knows what they're actually saying in mm-hmm. some of those things. Um, 
but I did watch Social Dilemma, and one of my brothers said, you've got to watch this, and I said, everybody's got to watch it, because it puts a whole new light on being on social media and paying attention to what they actually were doing. And Tim, I'm sure you've seen it, and if not, you've got to watch it, because it'll blow your mind. Seen it, Tim? I have. In fact, I've even spoken with the former president of Facebook who came out in November of 2018 and declared that 50% of the active users on Facebook were fake. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned, folks. SCARS is involved in something quite major uh, against Facebook coming in the next month. Perfect. But regardless... Uh, Dana, you know, you've interviewed those folks too, haven't you? Yeah, it was funny. At the end of the um, movie... I literally did, took screenshots of the people that produced it and reached out to all of them. And one guy uh, actually got back to me and I spoke to him and he's the one that, that, that led me to the digital future initiatives to learn about, um, you know, that, that training program I was mentioning for the presentation. So uh, yeah, they, they really, their hearts in the right place. The guys that put this together. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that there's so much information. We went through a lot of stuff today. And Dana, I want to applaud you for what you're doing, and uh, we look forward to working, you know, doing something together with Scars and the Women Behind the Smile audience. I just, I want you guys go look up Dana Mantilla, M-A-N-T-I-L-I-A, on YouTube. Watch her videos; they are so much fun, but they have real deep meaning to them. And pay attention, pay attention to your security settings on your phone, on your computers. I'm traveling today. I'm making sure, you know, I've got my passwords with me so I can actually get in. But be careful with who has access to your passwords because they can mm -hmm. clean you out. So, Dana, last word. What do you want to say to this audience about being careful and protecting yourselves? I, did, I think, unfortunately, it's a new world that we're in that we have to train our brains to not be as trusting and to question more things that we normally wouldn't question. And, you know, a lot of things, if we were to deal with somebody face-to-face -face and the same situation comes up that we're dealing with online, we, for whatever reason, we act differently. I mean, if somebody came up to you and said, uh, listen, I'm going to give you there's $50,000 in the trunk of this car, uh, but can you give me $5,000 first and I'm going to go uh, get the key made and then I'll be right back and I'm going to give it to you. you. It sounds crazy, but a lot of these lottery scams is exactly what they're doing. They're saying these crazy things, but they're playing off your emotions. You're like, I won the money. This is great. So I would just say stop and, and, and pause and, and really double check and not be as trusting as you probably would like to be. Ditto. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And one more time, how can people get a hold of you and find out about your business? Because I think that's really interesting also. Uh, well, you can go to identityprotectionplanning.com. And uh, I'm always on LinkedIn. So if you're on LinkedIn, would love to um, connect with you. And then you can see my videos um, on YouTube now, like uh, Debbie had mentioned. So um, that's, that's it. Any which way, though, you can get in touch with me. Okay, and spread the word, everybody. You know, Dana's got some great information out there. We're all trying to work together. You know, we think people hear about this all the time, but in reality, they're not. And, and ours, we're, we're being notified by victims of scams every day. And you just want to hit your, your head against the wall saying, when is this going to stop? It's never going to stop if we don't talk about it. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for all that you're doing, Dana, and getting it out there because we really do want to know who's calling. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Absolutely. we don't want Alexa listening to us and, and uh, you know, sending us something. It cracked me up that, mm -hmm. you know, when the, those kids were around Alexa and again my grandkids are around Alexa and one of them is always saying Alexa play this music or do this or, <laughs> and I'm thinking heaven forbid they say you know 
send me a, a Lamborghini you know, yeah. <laughs> and one will, one will show up in front of the house. So just be careful of who's listening and uh, check your privacy settings. And everybody, thank you so much for being here with us today. Dana and Dr. Tim, I really appreciate you being here as our guest. We shall do more in the future. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options in recovery. SCARS is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance program based in Miami, and I work very carefully, very closely with them uh, and in addition to doing work with the women behind the smile. If we can help anybody in any way, please reach out to us. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfo teaming products at BenfoComplete.com and use a special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Folks, thanks so very much. Go to my website, thewomenbehindthesmile.com, for additional information and resources. We will have replays of this show and others on on the website and also on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Listen to The Woman Behind the Smile on Audible. Thank you to my friend Peggy Hansen for helping me out putting that on Audible. It's incredible with the podcast in between the chapters. There's a plug. So everybody have a great day. Thank you so much for being here and we will have a wonderful Happy Fool's Day and none of this was spoofing today. Have a good one, everybody.